I'm Mark Gagan, and you're listening to The Voice of Insurance. Today's podcast is something a little different, because instead of talking about our market from the inside, we'll be looking at it through the eyes of insurance professionals who access our products and services from the outside. What do our customers really think of us? And what are they looking for when they come into the international insurance and reinsurance markets looking to do business? Michal Klemewski, Deputy Chairman, and Tomek Lebrant, President, have built SmartRe into a significant independent reinsurance broker in the highly competitive and fast-growing Polish market. Their report card on the London and international insurance markets makes for really interesting listening, as well as their description of the huge opportunities as well as the significant challenges facing the largest market in Central and Eastern Europe. Michal and Tomek are very open and frank about their experience, and some of their observations are frankly eye-opening. So for anyone looking to learn what makes an independent local broker in emerging markets tick and what they are really looking for in an international partner, this should be required listening. The first voice you will hear will be Michal's. Enjoy the podcast. Michal and Tomek, I think sometimes I think the voice of insurance is too bound up in typical London market, Bermuda, New York, English-speaking international insurance and reinsurance markets that we almost become obsessed with ourselves and our own media is all in the English language and we ignore parts of the world, I think, in some ways because we've got our little village and we seem to be happy with that little world. And so this is part of a series of getting out of our comfort zone and getting to know some really interesting high growth markets that really aren't very far away and which we have relationships and which have lots of opportunities. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak to The Voice of Insurance. Tell us all about Smart Re, how long it's been around, and what your specialist areas are. Thank you very much, and thanks for hosting us as your esteemed podcast. It's a great pleasure for us and a privilege, and we are a fan of yours for many years, and we've been the readers of your articles. So it's a great thing to be here and listening to the podcast you had before with the esteemed guests you had, and it's great to be here. As you rightly mentioned, you know, we are not that far away, though sometimes being 1,500 kilometers away seems to be a long distance. And I remember when we were beginning and the history of Smartry, which is directly linked with the international and the London market, we started 2006, 2007 with Surinder Beer when he was running the Coleman Insurance Brokers in that time. And Surinder was building the operation across Europe and across the world, really. And funny enough, we were the only startup, the only two-man band show with a dog at that time. We started 2007 in Poland. And funny enough, remember the story when we started the company and we ran the office. So we had like 100 square meter office and we have one chair and the telephone. And surprisingly, we managed to get a phone conference with one of the insurance company. They wanted to talk to us about an unemployment treaty for their book. It was 2007. At the same time, the guy who was offering us the printer came for the meeting. And it occurred that those two meetings were held at the same time. When we were asking, you know, for the printer, we were asking for some little machines. So the guy came with the offers for the little machine and we started the conversation. So the conversation started on the treaty side. With the insurer, we are talking about billions, billions of premiums, billions of exposure and various things. So when we were finishing that first conversation we had, the guy who were listening in the other room, that conversation said, well, 
I think the printing machine I'm offering you are by far too small. You are talking about billions, so you would need huge machines for printing. <laughs> and we said, no, no, it's just insurance. But when we started 2006, 2007, we thought that being on the insurance side is where our heart belongs. And when Comic joined on 1st of April 2008, we decided that our journey here in Poland would be linked with reinsurance. So quite quickly, we realized that we are as good as the London guys. And we had that feeling that the only one way how we can go together is not to sit and wait, you know, the London guys to send something, that we need to be more proactive and we need to pop in on the plane and to see those guys. And that's how we became the frequent travelers to EC3 and to the guys. And I think some of them get really tired seeing us every month or twice a month. But we thought that this is the only one way how we can break in to show that there is something more than just the business. There is more than just the ordinary risks. And we don't want to be treated as a flag or as a territory where people are doing business, that we want more heritage, we want to some length mutual strategy. And at least we wanted, you know, to learn and to educate our colleagues how Poland looks like, and there are no bears on the streets. They are not eating each other. Even though we are 1,500 kilometers away, you know, we had so many funny stories. Like 2009, one of the guys said to us that he can't travel to Poland because his visa expired. And it was happening 2009. So we realized that the only one way that we can be efficient and to be able to, to be more agile is to really trying to explain how we operate, that we have civil code, how the civil code works and how it's going. These were the early days and it was the happy days we had. There were three of us, four of us, five of us, and we were growing year by year. And we were following the common growth in the region. So we were traveling quite extensively. And in April 2010, Colmont was bought by the Amwins. At the same time, THB appears under the Amwins head. And that started our new life and new story. We had a lot of great meetings with Steve, Skip, Scott, or Will. And the Amwins guys are really unbelievable. You know, the pace of dynamics they had and uh, the way how they were growing and doing the business. It was just amazing. At the same time, we realized that when we count other figures that we are producing here in Poland, we are always laughing with Tomek. We are the four digits after comma or four digits after comma. And we were always worried that we are not growing quick enough. But with Frank Murphy on THB leading role, we had another great life with THB guys and Colmont guys who mixed together so lots of heritage from that days up to 2015, when we get to the moment when we start thinking, we are heading into some turbulent water. I mean, we are not growing enough quick. We are seeing that the local market is changing in a little different dimension than we think. So we had quite a few conversations with Frank and the American guys, and we end up with the MBO. So we completed the MBO 2015, 2016. And that pushed us into our newest line of SmartRe. SmartRe is an acronym, really, of name of three shareholders. At that time, Swafka, Michał, and Tomek. There is art in the midst, just to underline that we are high-pro organization. And we are SmartRe with double T, just to express that there is some degree of our smartness, so that we are not the smartest boys in the room, but at least we are trying. 
That's how we were running the business for a couple of years. And what we got in some stage that we realized that we are very much on the reinsurance side. And what we are missing in our conversations with reinsurers, that we are only reinsurance side, that we don't have any lag on direct side or MGA side or coverholder side. So we had the try and we set up the smart direct operation. But must admit we were pretty poor on that. And the direct life and direct operation is by far different animal than we thought. It's like different industry with different setup skills and rules. So we realized it's not the way for us to go. At the same time, we were missing the strength of the premium volume as a group or as the organization who can balance in terms of when we talk to the reinsurers. So there were a number of people who were approaching us for some kind of cooperation. But we were quite difficult to talk to because we were not sure, you know, what is the best for us and for the organization, how we want to operate, whether we should join a large organization and swim over there and then to start building our politics there, or whether we should join a smaller organization and try to do what we were doing or just to get the investors. So there were various of options we had on the table. We end up with MJM, with the holding company, which carries a direct operation, motor operation, corporate operation, which make buy-in to our organization, at the same time leaving us running the reinsurance politics and not bothering how we are doing the bits. So we are saying with Thomas sometimes that we are having an egg and we are eating an egg. So it means we can run still our own policy. We can still talk to the people we like, we trust, and we get the relation with in London and another market. At the same time, when reinsurers are asking us about various things, there is something we can leverage on. So that's the long journey we are in now. And it's something what we are really proud of as we came from two-man band in 2008 to days when we believe we are, at least on fact side, we are the largest fact broker in Poland. So it's a great achievement, we feel, on one hand. On the other hand, it means that we are trying to be like Citibank, you know, never sleeps, and trying to be quicker, faster, and more agile. So sometimes we are talking with Tomek 4 a.m., 11 a.m. You know, it's all day long story, but it's, it's always nice. How many staff are you now, and what sort of premium volumes are you handling? There are 16 of us on ground just 16 because you know when we went with Tomek once to Far East and we have met with one of the Asian reinsurer who had thousands of people employed and we were making our presentation we said there is 15 of us and the lady asked 15 of what and we just said 15 <laughs> so I understand she was expecting you know 15,000 or something but we are just 15 or 16 now so there are 16 of us and we are producing around 3 million pounds brokerage that's the production we are having now you broke away from Amwins and the THB group. You were carrying the THB name after previously being Tolmont in Poland and you were THB. You're now completely independent. You just have a wholesale relationships with people in London and other hubs, but you're completely independent. You're not part of any kind of network. Yes, yes. At the beginning, that was Colmont. After that, that we were part of the THB. And at the beginning of our cooperation and our existing cooperation on the Polish market, that was very good that we could develop our operation in Poland thanks to knowledge and support of our colleagues in, in London. That We were lucky because we met fantastic people in Colmont and THB who, starting from the very beginning, supported us. 
I remember Chris Elliott, Andrew Cochrane. Now we cooperate with the Richardson. Thanks to them, we were able to build our position on the Polish market and the Baltic states. But now, Smartry, you don't have any formal alliance with anybody. You have relationships and trading relationships, but you're independent. No one else owns you or you're not signed up to some formal alliance with anybody. Yes, we are all independent. At the same time, we are having you know, a number of TOBA in place. But again, the biggest challenge of being independent at the same time when you need a partner in London is not just to pick the, the party to place the business, but what we are crazy about is really to build a relation and not to be treated as a producer. We hate by passion when people are calling us producers or overseas producer, because we don't want to be just a producer, because we believe, and this refers probably to every ground and every territory in the world, every country is different. There is always a local context. There is always some local legal challenges and the other things. So if somebody is treating just as another submission from a territory, the probability of succeeding is pretty low because the general approach to general things never works. So we are trying to be more like a boutique, put deals more focused on the risks that we are leading. Yeah. That's why being independent allows us to choose the partner for various line classes of business. And sometimes we are dealing with really tiny or small brokers who are agile enough or really care enough to place the business because, you know, from our end, it's not about sending, you know, 300 or 400 submissions to London. It's about efficiency, how many of them we will turn into business. Because when you are 1,500 kilometers away, people see how good you are by how many risks you are placing and how good quotes you are providing. When guys in London or anywhere in the world are failing to us, at the same time, we are failing to our partners. The bad thing is that we don't have too many opportunities around. We can go to Baltic states. We can go to south of Europe to see more. But when you are in London, you have 289 countries to choose from. If you fail in Poland, you can go to Holland or maybe to try Far East. There's always somebody in the need for placing the business. That is why that honeymoon and that understanding of the partners is super important for us. And that is why from a large number of parties that we were dealing, we are trying you know, to reduce it for the price of getting the closer relation and better understanding. Yeah. Everything now is in our hands. So we operate on the Polish market and cooperating with local brokers. We perfectly know the terms and conditions which are on the, on the Polish markets. So that was important for us to have everything in our hands because starting from the beginning, the smart tree is focused on the arrangements. Very often the local brokers recognize us as a last resort of hope. So we prefer to manage these difficult issues ourselves. And thanks to that, we know who can support us and where. So everything is in our hands. So let's talk about the Polish market from a reinsurance perspective. Can you lay it out a bit? Is there a lot of direct reinsurance? Who are the big insurance players and also the big insurance brokers? Again, is it like it is everywhere else in the world where you've got the big three and then you've got a lot of local brokers who are slightly squeezed, who are independent, who would obviously be drawn to working with an independent reinsurance broker like you for specialist risks. How is it working? Where do you fit into everything? Poland is like most countries in the world. We are not that different. So most of the international brokers are present here in Poland. So we have Marsh, and Willis's. We have lots of strong Polish brokers with good reputation, good business. 
and they are more on a direct side. Polish market, you know, when you look for the CE countries, is the largest in terms of the, the, the size of the same in size of number of people and the GDP. It's worth mentioning that 2008, you know, Poland was the only one country which went through the crisis. We were the Green Island and still the GDP is growing. It's a very competitive place to be. And the quality of the brokers went up very sharply in recent years. There are few dimensions, I mean, which are worth to think about the brokers market. Because, yes, it's true we have Marshall and Willis and the great guys over there. And they are doing the direct business. There is few brokers on the other side who are dealing on the insurance side. And even less who are dealing on the wholesale side. We have to keep in mind that the wholesale thing is not what Polish brokers tend to do for years. So there was always the barrier for the mutual trust that, you know, somebody will not take that business. At the same time, the market, we are having most of the international careers present in the country. And when you look for the size and the capacities the insurers are having, it leads you to the conclusion that the capacity for property liability is pretty massive. So it is quite often that insurers are making the coinsurance pools so that capacity is even bigger. When we are looking for our role, sometimes we have to win the business who gave us submissions, who gave us trust, and we have to win against the market. So it's more difficult. And the consequence to is that it pushes two different lines of seeing the market. Because of the capacity that careers are having, clients are expecting less fluidity or ups and downs of premium increases. They are seeing on those increases or decreases on the annual basis, where the fact business is more working, it's, it's more moving, and those increases sometimes are not in line with the claims story or claims data because the liability is growing somewhere by 20%, so we get the 20% increase or 30% increase on loss-free account, only because it's on the on reinsurance on the fact basis. And sometimes clients are not understanding that bit. It's another dimension to the market, but the market is pretty competitive. We are having lots of people you know, being involved on the direct reinsurance side, and we are seeing you know, more and more competition on the ground. So it's always great because on one hand, when you see the competition, you always have to fight, you know, for the business. At the same time, this is the only one way how we can become better. And when you think about the big brokers, those guys are having all the resources and all the products in the world, you know, on hand so, and on demand. So for us, sometimes the way for getting to the right partner in London to get something is more challenging. At the same time, we have to work harder to get there. So we have to at least to try to be more agile and to be more quicker. And that's how we are trying to build our competitive edge on others. So you've got all the international insurance groups, all the international reinsurance groups, and those international insurance groups are doing co-insurance. So they've got huge capacity available to the direct brokers. Does this mean that when you're looking to play, are you really looking for niches? Are you really playing in the really, really specialist the really, really difficult to place areas, or are you able to compete across the board with those big brokers and those multinational brokers? 
Yes, we thought at the beginning that we will end up in some niches, you know, and doing some super sophisticated things. But then it became obvious that because of the size of the market, you can play any role you like and you can try to win the business anyone you like. So really the portfolio we have today is really like one third of aviation, one third liability and one third property. And Tomek will tell about this probably later. But we are sitting on energy business, we are sitting on heavy industry, on all kinds of aviation bits. So it's a mixture. And again, we are trying to look for the businesses where we feel we can get the support from the international side, not only thanks to the London guys, but also thanks to our own relations. We experienced this, and this is the lesson learned we had for years, that we gave as a credit when we heard that there was no underwriter in box or the underwriter is busy. There were some always problems with getting the quotes on time. And sometimes we never knew whether this is true or not. That's why we decided that we have to build our own relations as well. So for years, we were traveling like crazy with Tomek on the European continent and not only to see people and to build relations. Because this was the only one way how we can at least to try you no know, leverage those relations. The London market was more competitive a couple of years ago. The continental market was more about treaty or always more expensive. These days, there is a payoff for this because, you know, the continental market becomes more involved into fact business and it's trying to fulfill the gap or to win this space from the London guys. I don't want to describe you as a producer. I know you don't like that. But someone who could place business anywhere in the world, and obviously you've had this long relationship with London. How is that developing? How is London service levels holding up now we've had this harder market, less markets available, of course? And how is it holding up? Certainly in the early 90s, when I was a broker in Spain, we found it much easier to place business in the continent because it was just send someone a fax and then they would say yes. And that would be simple as that. Whereas, you know, send it to London, you get 20 questions and a big delay sometimes if they weren't really interested in the amount of brokerage it was going to produce them. So, from what I'm hearing, you say, the continental market is more competitive than it has been for a while. Oh, yeah, that's what we are experiencing for now. And I think that the last year, which was a crazy year anyway, was the year when there was lots of change in the London market. And the last two years, already three years, we had the symptoms of the change. And we realized that when there is the syndicate or the careers decision, you know, we need to put the rates up or we need not to write this or to limit something, they are doing those things, you know, unblocked just the comment that the increase has to be in place or we have to have the increases. So we experienced on a couple of accounts, no conversation at all. We just received an increase like 50 or 70% purely because it was too cheap yeah. or the, the line on the writer changed or something happened within the organization that now we are crazy about the increases. So everybody has the increase. So we are putting 50% increase on your account. Did you feel they weren't justified often with this? These are things with good loss records that have been profitable for underwriters. I think the, the biggest challenge we had on one account, on the loss-free accounts, which were renewing for 10 years, the increase we had was double. It was super difficult to explain to clients one day there was after 10 years. And it was the same market. So it was super difficult situation for us. Especially, you know, that it just ruins all the story about the relations, the understanding. And it's always worse. In insurance industry, we'll have to say about relations, about the mutual trust that we are coming and going on the same courage. 
in that example and few more, we get just the information that that's the decision and there is no space to talk to, take it or leave it. We realized at the same time that the continental market, who was trying to be pretty much involved in the 90s here in Poland, where the German-speaking market was trying to build its position and was pushed out by the London guys, now it's raising head-on and the continental market is becoming more interested in the various piece of business. They never were. The German market, what about Paris or Switzerland? I'm not, you know, saying about the particular one, but in general, we are seeing in various places of Europe, there is more and more an interest of the CE business and more and more interest of fat businesses. So we are trying to win this. It's inevitable, you know, when those mature markets, they have to find the growth from somewhere. Asia, all, you know, those fancy places are already covered. It comes the moment when it's just a good moment to be in the CE. Yeah to win some businesses, especially there are lots of investments, lots of the European money to be spent for next seven years. It's a lot of infrastructure, big projects. Lots of infrastructure and lots of change on the corporate side. We are seeing more and more interest of continental players where this is lesser from the London guys. And in terms of London, is the service level beginning to improve? Now that there have been a lot of reforms, are you encouraged at all by some of these reforms on the processing and as a consumer of London market services in terms of getting the premiums paid and also on claims, for example? Do you get good service? Is it getting better or is it getting worse? It is hard to judge, I think, from our end, because we can only say about the cases we had for past year. So when we are sending around 300 submissions a year to London markets, then out of the business we are placing there, we don't really see you know, that big change in terms of all of those reforms, those PPL and those electronic placement things. The same on the claims side. We see on documents, we see there is some things happening, but frankly speaking, from our end, that change is not something that is... Uh... Is that because it's really not something that... It's an internal thing for London. It's not really externally facing. It, presuming no one's offering you a PPL login. No. On fact side, you know, we are always having the, those challenged risks which are not fitting into treaty anyway. So any claims we are having, it's always demands the guys who are doing the loss adjusting, and it's always a process. Again, you know, those changes in the market, you know, they are not that much affecting us or giving us any extra leverage on the service. Obviously, we mentioned about, you can't talk about broken without looking at Aon Willis. And of course, we've had Marsh and JLT. How has that affected your strategic thinking? Has it been good for you, I presume, as an independent for all this consolidation? And of course, we've seen even more consolidation announced within the wholesale broking community as well, not just really big brokers, but a lot of the smaller brokers as well being taken over. How has it affected your strategic thinking? Well, I think it does not affect our strategy. I mean, we are really interesting observing those mega mergers because from our perspective, we are talking about thousands and billions of premiums. It affects thousands of people working for those organizations and we are rather thinking that it's just unbelievable how those mega mergers leading to the thing that probably everybody is a winner of such transaction. Probably the CEOs who are doing that bit, you know, they are happy because they manage and they get what they wanted. The diversity growth, so the shareholders are probably happy. The competitors are always happy because there are always a number of the factors, people who are living to the other companies. 
the clients get more space to move the business to somewhere else. And what we are seeing that this is also the dynamic that new startups arriving to the London market, there are new opportunities, there are new people who are trying to do the business, like the peak guys who are doing great on the aviation side, yep. the McGill's and the others. So there are many great examples of people who have big organizations and they are doing great things. And from our perspective, we are just local guys being in Poland, you know, and there are 16 of us, so those mega mergers are not affecting us. What we are more interested, you know, what we are always trying to think, what's the consequence for the market of such merger? When something makes sense on the international level or something makes sense from the headquarters in EC3, it's sometimes challenging to get the right answer. What's the purpose, you know, for some transactions on the ground? We are always thinking that there are good and bad things. We don't feel that it affects us some kind to the public. But is it presumably, you know, if there are people that you've been wanting to hire for a long time, is it easier to have those conversations now that you know that they might be a little bit worried about whether they're going to have the same position in the new organizations? The people that we are hiring, there are more people trying to join us than we are ready to absorb. Because we are always thinking that we have to have a real a good area for operating for those people. So we are in constant openness for great people to join. At the same time, we just have to look for our PNL just to make sense. And again, we are trying to create the space within Smartry for the people to get the comfort that we are running things differently. Differently that we are more open if somebody wants to do something just to give the space for doing the things. But we don't see, you know, that it creates some mega space for us, you know, for some people, because people are knocking our doors regardless of transaction. The Polish market, fast growing, lots of investment going in, obviously in a big transition. One of the other big things that are happening everywhere at the moment is the transition to a lower carbon economy. Obviously, Poland's got some challenges there. How are you rising to that challenge? Is it producing problems? Because, of course, say in London every day now we have environmental protesters saying to insurers don't insure coal. We've got ESG becoming an acronym that is appearing with greater regularity. How is that affecting you guys and some of your energy business? This is the big challenge for the Polish market because we have to remember that 75% of our energy comes from the conventional energy, from the coal. It's related to coal. So it's not easy from one day to another day, close everything and start to use only the green energies. So that's true that the Polish economy is in face of the big transformation. From our perspective, when we talk, when we discuss with different reinsurance, we see that there is a lack of understanding that from our perspective, it has to be a process. We cannot change everything within one month or one year because we need more time. And frankly speaking, I'm a little bit surprised that the biggest reinsurers, the biggest players supported many, many, many years of our business, of our power plants, minings, and that was not a problem from them. And now we cannot sit together and, and find the compromise, find the common ground in order to prepare the plan, how we could cooperate and uh, set up the transition. Yes. There's probably no debate that we all know that in 50 years' time, of course, we will transition. You're saying, is it that there's friction now because of people wanting to move at different speeds that aren't necessarily possible in an economy that's 75% carbon-based? 
Yes, the pace of transition uh, yeah, is very big. And we have to also remember that the capital has a nationality, has a flag. We see that in other countries, this process is not so fast as in Poland. So the, the requirements are not so big as in Poland. Do you think if it becomes difficult to get insurance, do you think you might end up with something, a state-backed solution in, within Poland? We have a plan together with uh, in SmartWheel. We have a plan. It has to be a combination of the state support, of the understanding of reinsurance that we need time to change our economy from the conventional energy to green energy. But it requires the good willing of all parties, not only the Polish state, but also other reinsurance who supported us for many years. I think what Tomek mentioned is pretty right. It's expecting the clients to change into adopt to the policy from year to year when the investments were nearly finished a few years ago. It's not just happening. And we heard that in some countries, as Tomek mentioned, you know, there is a plan that the markets are reducing the capacity, they are increasing prices, they are reducing the scope of cover. What we are seeing that uh, we are receiving information that just to let you know on this renewal, we are offering you zero of capacity. And this is just because there is a, a corporate policy for not writing the call related business. Some others are saying we are not working on reinsurance, but if it's retrocession, then perhaps we can write something. So uh, it, we, we are just upset that, as Tomek mentioned, people say that the capital has no flag. And from our perspective, this is a great example that really capital has a flag. And we think that it's a great thing, you know, to make the change and would all love to have green energy, but it's just not doable in the country of 38 million people to get the transition on one day. So I think that there is a great challenge for government and for the companies and for all brokers involved at the same time for the markets to run such dialogue. And I think those clients were paying lots of money for many years. And when they were paying lots of money in the past, they were good clients and there was the relation and there was the trust and everything. What we are saying now, you know, all of those long-lasting relations are not in place because there is a corporate policy we are not writing. It's challenging, and it's something that has a strong impact on the Polish market. It's really interesting, and obviously it's going to be an opportunity for entrepreneurial brokers to find these solutions to cover this transition as it happens, because it's going to be talking about a 15, 20, 30, 40-year probably transition, not something that you can do from one renewal to the next, obviously. So it is really, really interesting. I wish you all the best with that. I was wondering... In Eastern Europe, actually, a lot of good technology companies. In the last four or five years, in the international markets, we've been looking at this insurtech phenomenon, particularly in America, some in London and different places. But I know you guys, obviously, you're sort of part of that world, and particularly in Poland, actually, I think it's got a quite a thriving technology community. Are you seeing any kind of transformation, anything to report from the insurtech world and any of that technology? Are you interested in getting involved in all of that, particularly when you see what is being achieved in some of these places. And now we're seeing some of these maturing companies are going public and all sorts of things. If you can tell me a little bit about the Polish insurtech scene, if there is one, and what you're doing in it. I don't want to sound like we are stuck in the 80s, but <laughs> <laughs> those new tech things are great. And we really like to observe them. And there are lots of conversation, lots of ideas around. 
But those ideas that we are seeing are more related to the direct or individual clients. They are more related, you know, to speed up the processes. What we see the need and what we are always, you know, supporting the ideas, you know, for more analytical bits into high techs uh, to be used. But from our perspective, you know, there are quite a few very interesting insure techs on the ground, but they are more related into homogenic business, where on the insurance side, we are seeing so different risks, you know, from the archery going to the Olympic Games, to the farms, the chickens, the rockets and hotels in Thailand. So it's quite difficult to adopt super sophisticated solution. So we stopped our development on the Wi-Fi printers at the moment. <laughs> As a way of saying goodbye to everybody and to remind everyone what you're doing, all the international listeners listening to you talking on this podcast, what products or what solutions, what problems do you want them to come and solve for you? Ideally, where are the best classes and products and things that you feel that if someone's got a new product, what kind of areas are you most looking for where you think the best opportunities are going to be to sell some of those products or apply those solutions in the Polish market? I think that we can say that always we are looking for the, the partners who would like to cooperate with us, who are willing to listen to us uh, as a local broker who knows, as I mentioned, that quite well the local requirements. To answer more detailed, I think that we have to remember that the Polish market still needs new products. Some products are not very well developed. So I mean, for example, DNO, cyber, the green energy, the wind farms, offshore farms. So all these kind of products are still premature. So we are looking for the partners who could be able to, to support us to develop these products. So there's going to be good opportunities in those. There's still be a lot of growth to come in those. Yeah, we are seeing those areas and we are very much interested, as Tomek mentioned, in partners, but we are at the same time interested in solutions that people are having. Because as we said at the beginning, although we are smart, we are not the smartest boy in the room. So we are very eager to learn and we are very happy to follow. If somebody had some great idea in something what is more corporate related, then we are happy to deal with. Because you know, from our perspective, when we are seeing on the reinsurance part and wholesale activity, we see the market from different perspective than any other broker because we don't have the conflict of interest because we are not willing to cooperate on a direct basis. So we are having to do the wholesale activity or we are having to do the things with others who can't do this because of their direct involvement. So that's the second thing. And last but not least, I will repeat it. We are so much eager, you know, for people who are treating us as a partners and willing to develop something together rather than just looking for pure placing brokers because there are many, many placing brokers who are great people, but we just need a little more because we are producing too much just to get the partners to place. We need partners to understand and willing to dive into Polish context, which as always is interesting and fun. That's great. Okay. And if someone's got any kind of solution on unlocking the carbon transition and making it insurable, that sounds like they should come and talk to you straight away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Michal and Tomek, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for enlightening us about this interesting Polish market, fast growth, lots of interesting opportunities, it sounds out there. So people should be talking to you. Make sure you check in and come speak to the Voice of Insurance again sometime in the future so we can check up on your progress. But I wish you all the best. It sounds like 
you've got a great opportunity there. And it sounds like you're having a lot of fun doing what you're doing. Mark, thank you very much. It was a great pleasure to be here. So thank you once Mark, again. Mark, thank you very much. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this program. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. The Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan, in association with Advantage Go, enabling underwriters to increase the speed and accuracy of decision-making. Original music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.advantage.com. The voice of insurance.com.